You're listening to the Smart Women in Business podcast with Jane Mackay, episode number 58. Hello, you're listening to the Smart Women in Business podcast. My name is Jane Mackay and on this show, we talk to smart women in business all over the world about starting, building and creating the business and life of your dreams while having incredibly honest in-depth and rich conversations with amazing women in business who will inspire you to become a smart woman in business. Hello and welcome to the Smart Women in Business vlog and podcast. I'm your host, Jay McKay from Jay McKay Communications, a marketing consultant and coach who works with people across the world to build the business of their dreams. Today, it is my pleasure to be speaking with Petra Zink, a certified personal branding and digital strategist international speaker and consultant, and most recently author of the book Trusted Authority. Petra specializes in helping professionals and companies become the trusted authorities in their industry. Petra is also the founder of Impact and the 360 Talent Co. Both companies are designed to future-proof individuals and organizations through coaching, training, and keynotes that make long-lasting change. Petra is also the host of Your Brand, Your Future, a top-rated personal branding podcast show she's an official Forbes coaches council member and has been featured on Forbes Forbes.com the CEO magazine news.com.au and multiple podcasts welcome to the show Petra thanks so much Shane for having me I'm super excited for this conversation it is wonderful to be speaking with um, women across Australia and the world about their businesses and the the point of all these conversations to show women that every point of their journey whether they've started or not even started at every point to show how everyone's journey is different so tell me about your business and how you got to where you are today yes well i absolutely support the message that more women especially should run their own business or take control of their own career in whatever way that may be my journey started when I started, when I grew up in my, with my parents, both entrepreneurs. And I always said, I never, ever want to run my own business <laughs> because I saw the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs and a lot of income and no income, uh, ebbs and flows. And I thought, I don't want to have this uncertainty and this insecurity about where the money comes from. Mm. So my focus was always corporate career climb up the ladder, stay there, make your way. And I did that for the first 10 years of my profession. And I progressed probably a little bit too quickly, to be honest, because mentally I didn't catch up on things. And because I grew up in an entrepreneurial family that valued hard work, I just outworked everyone. And especially at the early stages of your career, that works. Because <laughs> if you go this extra little bit of a mile, nobody else is there. However, when you come into a very senior role and leadership role, your focus shifts. And I didn't catch up mentally that this would happen. So I, I worked even more, took on more responsibilities and more projects, first in, last out. So I thought, well, the next promotion needs to be around the corner. And it wasn't. <laughs> it put me on a performance improvement plan. Oh, me no. of all the hardworking team members, like what's going on here? And the feedback that I got was, yes, we see that you're hardworking and you get stuff done, but you are looking after 18 boards. You need to influence, you need to delegate work. And we don't see that you are at that level. And it was a complete eye opener because I thought my work will speak for itself and I just need to take on more projects and I show that I'm ready for the next step. And they had a completely different opinion and perception about me. So I got a little bit bruised that much that I left the industry. <laughs> 
I'm and done. I've been out of my <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> but I also started to doubt myself because I thought I've got a master's in marketing and just spent 10 years working towards something that I'm not even good at. Because you are so much in your tunnel vision that you don't see what's actually going on. And that it's just a skill that I didn't learn and I didn't have the insight to it. And I got into recruitment. And that was the first time that I realized that it wasn't actually just me. There were so many other specialists and experts who were incredible in what they were doing. And I specialized in digital and technology and they couldn't find jobs. They didn't get the promotion. They missed out on pay rises simply because they couldn't tell their story. They couldn't articulate why their employer or their decision maker should choose them over others. And this got me into personal branding because what I did with my candidates, this is how the recruitment world works, the better you can position somebody, your candidates and market them and tell their story, the higher the chances that you make a placement. So I thought very selfish of me to start with, how can I position my candidates that they are the only choice for my clients? And I've placed over 300 candidates. And I thought, hmm, there must be something to it. But I can only place so many candidates into roles. What if there's a system, a method, a process that everyone can learn to clarify what makes them different, that they can communicate it to others and also be consistent online and offline so that they can commercialize it in one way or the other. And this led me into impact what I'm doing today. <laughs> and impact I'm- with triple C. <laughs> Impact with Triple C. Everyone will get the links in the show notes. So you will all get to find out about Petra's story. story. So it's really interesting because personal branding is a personal passion of mine because I think if more people leverage their personal brand, more people will be successful. It really is that simple, the equation. But so many people don't have the confidence or the messaging or the understanding of the the standing up and standing out that is required um, to really have a strong foundation for your personal brand and obviously you have um, both your companies so how is your how have your businesses evolved um, and what were the signs for you that it was time to change (laughs) well lots has changed since (laughs) I started So I moonlighted for a couple of years when I was still in recruitment and I actually started with employer branding because I realized that so many companies also missed out on talents because Mm. I was in the market in the trenches and they interviewed hundreds of candidates and they said, oh, I don't want to work with this company. They've got bad leaders. It's like, how do you know? Well, everyone knows. I was like, oh, interesting. I didn't. (laughs) So there is something to it. How can we position a company better? But that happened eight years ago when I started looking into it. And back then it was very much an employer-driven market. And he said, you know what, we've got enough talents applying to to us. We don't need anything else above and beyond that to invest into recruitment marketing and employer branding. So I thought, hmm, there is no market to it. I had one client here, one client there, but not enough to be sustainable to build my own business. But what I did realize in when I was still in recruitment full-time was that I could only serve so many of my candidates but because I only had so many roles. Mm. But what if I actually focus on personal branding rather than employer branding? And that got me into this big pivot to start with. <laughs> but because um, I still continued working with companies, they started to ask, well, can you work with our leaders? They've got speaking engagements coming up or we've got emerging leaders who cannot articulate themselves in a board meeting or in a team meeting. 
I thought, well, there is still demand for it, but it's a different approach to work with a company compared with individuals. And this led me into starting and running those two different businesses with a similar offer, but to a different audience. And mm. this is where we are today. <laughs> and it's funny because you can, you can pivot in your business when you realize Absolutely. that your audiences are different. Absolutely. And, and that's completely is- okay. Yes, and I think this is also what we need to embrace because there's more change than ever before and technology fast tracks everything. Now, we did quite well with personal branding before COVID-19 hit and now it just goes gangbusters because it has changed the game, that changed the market. We see the great resignation. More and more talents realize there's more to life than working in a job that they hate. So how else can they monetize their expertise, their knowledge? Mm-hmm. And also looking into another trend that we're seeing, it's a digital first world. Companies can tap into global talent pools. So you're not just competing with your talents from next door or you're in the same country or in the same continent even. You are competing with a global talent pool. And there will always be somebody who's more experienced than you and more educated and more networked and cheaper and faster. You name it. You cannot compete on that. So how can you stand out? And this is how I developed the trusted authority framework. You can't rely on progressing in your career and get the title and then have the influence over others. You have to be the go-to in your field because of people wanting to follow you because of the trust, not of because of the title. And this is an evolution and probably in another two or three years, it will go in a different direction. And I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think I talk about, I talk a huge amount about trust with my clients. And I don't think that trust factor is ever going to go away because we're all Mm -hmm. in the industry of trust. And it doesn't really matter which industry you're in. Um, You know, I work with people from a range of service-based industries and trust is number one. Mm, Absolutely. Showing up and being visible naturally develops that trust which is what I spend and you probably you spend your time encouraging your clients to do (laughs) absolutely and also the way how we trust people is changing thanks to technology Mm. like we used to trust institutions like banks and government and schools and because there have been so many trust breaches technology takes over the role of the uh, regulatory um, body mm. so what does this does that mean we are giving power to individuals and platforms like linkedin for example or instagram connecting supply and demand and bringing the market together and this is also what the future of work is all about having multiple engagements having a gig economy being responsible for your own income we don't necessarily have a one nine to five full-time permanent role anymore because company structures are changing. And this is where trust plays a different role now. Yes, I have obviously my circle of influence who trust me, but I can't rely on that. People are now looking you up online, usually in the first instance. So what does your online profile say about you? Or not, <laughs> if or there's not, none existing. <laughs> exactly. But mm. not only what your online profile says, but also what the community says. Have you got any social proof? Have you been um, you know, on other people's shows like we do, for example? Yeah. Uh, have you got recommendations? Because no longer do we trust the one person who says they are the best, but we also look into the social proof element. Mm. And this is where currently the market is going to, that we we build a relationship in a very different way and this only fast tracks everything thanks to technology yeah and and I love it and it's amazing because as someone who lives in regional Australia like 
I've said this before, but I live in a town with a population yes. of less than a thousand. I'm mm-hmm. still able to build a circle of influence, trust, um, a large pool of clients from Australia and, and the greater community and, and the world. Um, and it's wonderful because it's giving opportunities to people that wouldn't have otherwise had opportunities. And that's what I love about tech. Absolutely. And also, you know, copywriting and content plays a massive role in building the trust Mm -hmm. because yes, I can say I'm the best and maybe I am the best and I know it, but nobody else knows it. And we are in a knowledge economy that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean much if I can showcase it. So rather than just saying, show what it means and how do we do it through content that also builds trust. So your profession doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> no, not as yours. We're still right here. Yes. And I, it's, it's interesting because people are seeing more and more the value of having mm-hmm. someone who does help amplify their personal brand. I'm definitely seeing it now. I've shifted in my own business. Thank partially because my kids are finally both at school full time, having <laughs> homeschooled a prep and a grade one. Um, then it's like from prep and grade one my other child is older but I'm finally saying okay right I'm not doing the doing for my clients anymore Mm -hmm. um they're just like can you just show up and do the strategy and and help me run with it and and owning Mm -hmm. that which I'm loving um and and positioning them to strategically leverage their personal brand that they've built to a degree and that doesn't just apply to people who aren't working outside of organisations. It applies to people working within organisations as well. So are you seeing that people are leveraging their personal brands within, within organisations? So this is to address the people that might be listening who are in a management role and go, well, it doesn't, doesn't apply to me. Absolutely. And this is actually my specialization. I mainly work with corporate professionals who are mm-hmm. still in the trenches and not everyone is made to build and run their own business. Mm. It takes a certain personality and there's nothing right or wrong with that. But it also absolutely comes down to being visible to the right people for the right reasons. And you've got a person brand, whether you like it or not. We all have a perception and opinion about somebody. The question is, what is this narrative? Mm. If you're not um, shaping this narrative that others also can tell their narrative that you want them to tell, they will tell whatever they want and what they see and what they think about mm. it. If it's right or wrong, different story. So yes, I absolutely think that this is actually one of the biggest uh, areas and risks that a lot of professionals run. They rely on their employer to future-proof them, to give them a salary. But what if there is a merchant acquisition? What if there is another um, a global pandemic and the company has to shut down or roles getting made redundant thanks to technology? we cannot rely on a single source of income. It comes down to building our network within the organization, wider than our team and department, but then also externally. Mm. So it's a big area that we can improve on. (laughs) You and I I could probably talk about it all day. (laughs) We can, but I also strongly believe that the future of work is personal branding and not jobs because we have to shift not only jobs more frequently, but also entire careers because of different consumer expectations, technology, and, you know, global trends. So if we are known for more than our credentials, like I've got a master's here and I've got 20 years experience here, boring, nobody cares. How can we shift into a personality driven um, persona, a brand that can pivot if we need to and want to? (laughs) That's a big part. Maybe we don't want to do the same thing in a couple of years because we're bored. (laughs) And and also um, values is such a huge part of that. And I've seen people 
um, go into roles or go into organizations based on their values and the trust factor mm-hmm. and then shaping the role to them their their own skills and building a team around them because CEOs are wanting particular personalities they can see what they would do for their businesses and bring them in and then go change the world yes and this is also where you actually bring in competitive advantage because yes you may be hired as an accountant but your real passion when you come home at night is to do youtube videos yeah. well amazing how can you bring <laughs> that skill this hobby this um, interest into your day-to-day profession. Maybe you can do videos and showcase how to run a tax return or whatever it might be. And they are probably more entrenched and more skilled in that than the marketing department who may not even have gotten into video and YouTube. So this is where a company can actually leverage their current talents whilst they can bring their full self to work, still performing their task, but going above and beyond what's in a job description. Mm. So I think we've got so much potential here. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited too. And people that bring those really niche interests into businesses are happier, more productive. Mm -hmm. They elevate the culture of an organization and it's, it's, yeah, I, I think we'll just see that grow more and more and more as people want more and more fulfillment out of their roles. Absolutely. And also being able to connect the dots. It's like, this is what I'm good at. This is what I enjoy doing. What is the market demand there? How can I commercialize it in one or another way? Because this is what keeps us in business as a business owner, but also as a professional. If we're not upskilling, if we're not progressing and look beyond what's happening right now and around the corner, we are already irrelevant. So how can I leverage something that I'm slightly interested in and create an opportunity for me that can be commercialized in one or another way? Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. And technology is facilitating that. Yay. Um, Yay. So how do you manage your life as an entrepreneur? Well, I'm the biggest introvert that you will ever meet. And people are always so surprised about it. (laughs) Oh, thank God. (laughs) I'm like, just leave me at home. Don't make me speak to anybody. (laughs) Yes, I can stare against the wall for six months and I would be perfectly happy. (laughs) Um, And that also means I'm managing my energy very well. It's not so much the time management, but energy management. I've got two full days where I do a lot of client-facing and external-facing activities. Um, coaching calls I just did one actually before uh, run workshops do interviews and then I have two days where I don't see anyone and then I've got another one and a half days that I'm kind of spreading out between universities to teach because it's I always say it's my paid hobby why not (laughs) Um, so it comes down to having three non-negotiables every single day come sun or hail I need to exercise first thing in the morning because that gets me energized this is my me time this is where I listen to podcasts this is how I came across your podcast I (laughs) need gold chain (laughs) I'm Um, so glad you did (laughs) I'm happy to be here honestly (laughs) and then uh walk and talk with my partner and having coffee so I need to learn something and this is usually through a podcast through a conversation through a short course through a book whatever it might be exercise because this is where my creative ideas come and of course uh walking and talking with my partner to bounce off ideas and just being together and enjoying life so that's all I need to be happy and this is my day-to-day every single day (laughs) and it's so it's so um expansive when you have the opportunity to to enjoy life it doesn't have to be hours and hours people talk about self-care and think it's going to be an hour in the bath but it can be just those really simple things um, of having a coffee and taking 30 minutes to exercise 
So. Absolutely. And this also comes down to the values that you mentioned before. Yes. If you are not sure what actually energizes it and what drains you and what value you can bring, nobody else will pick up on it. And then we are always the, um, the negative Nancy <laughs> in the sense, like, because we just don't know what's quote unquote wrong with us. It's usually mm. because we're not living according to our values and being able to translate that when I say, I love learning. Okay, that's a statement, but how can you actually integrate that in your day? Is it reading 10 pages a day? Is it listening to a podcast? Is it doing an online course? You need to make time for it because otherwise we're all busy and life gets in the way and we're not doing it and blame everyone else but us <laughs> that something is not right and we're so busy and we're always tired and we've put on weight. There's a reason for it. <laughs> yeah. So, and and I, I, I'm very much of the, I'm, I'm about my, taking responsibility for myself. Yes, um, absolutely. And everything is a choice. So mm -hmm. as is eating all the cheese during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a coping mechanism too. So let's, let's be honest. <laughs> we'll just I'm curious, Shane, what, what are your non-negotiables? What are you doing every day? What I aim to do um, every day, but <sighs> we've just come out of COVID. Yes. So my son and my husband <laughs> had it, but us Mackay girls, we didn't get it. Um, I my I love to have my what I call my alignment practices. So I love to start the day with mm -hmm. journaling and meditation and coming into that alignment. Um, and every day I drink like three liters of water. And if I don't do that, <laughs> I get very tired and cranky. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what I do. And I also go to bed really early. So I get mm. I like sleep sleep is good but I'm like you I'm always learning something I'm always got an audio book or I've got a I always have a non-fiction book going with a fiction book because I can't read non-fiction before bed and um yeah I'm pretty I'm a simple woman with simple means needs <laughs> but I, you know I think it comes down to those basics because if our physiological needs aren't met we can never perform at our mm. best the small things on quote unquote, like having sleep is so important to actually perform and function all yeah. day. Otherwise we're cranky and showing up as our worst example to the world. And how long would we stay in business if we give the worst customer experience and deliver the worst quality of work? Probably not that long anymore. Probably not that long. It's funny, you know, because we've just had a holiday and on holidays, you know, we eat all sorts of weird and wonderful <laughs> things. I'm usually like primarily eat vegetables. I don't eat fruit. I just eat vegetables. Mm -hmm. Like I'm always snacking on something. And I found that when I stopped doing that, my energy just, and I've realized that that's something quite physiological that I do that I didn't realize I did because it's just snacking um, that really helps my energy. And I don't get a four o'clock slump. So that might be it. That just made me go, oh yeah, maybe that was it. So what does a great day in the office look like for you? It depends on the day. <laughs> so it depends on each introvert or extrovert day. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, a great day starts with exercise, having some inspiration from a podcast and being energized for the day ahead. Um, and my you know, big goals are always, I want to create something. So it could be either in terms of content creation, in terms of creating um, insightful conversations in my workshop or creating something that benefits the business in the next year or two years. I'm very much the visionary. So I already live in 2036 and then I realize, oh, dang, <laughs> we're only in 2022. <laughs> Come back. We're still here. Um, 
also touching base with my team because they're all integrators. They know what to do. Um, that's why I can think big and yeah. beyond what's happening right now. And then they get um, to do it. I'm just going to stop you for a minute. If you don't know what we're talking about, read the book Traction because yes. the EOS <laughs> in there is the visionary integrators and then that will probably make more sense. But go on, Petra. I just wanted to stop there. <laughs> Reading recommendations. Yes. Well, <laughs> This is such a fantastic um, addition here because in my profession, in, in marketing, I always felt I'm um, the weird one because I always questioned things. I always saw something that others couldn't see. And initially when I did brand and product development, it was perfect because I could already develop trends and products that weren't a thing yet and they became all bestsellers. But when it came to managing budgets and the boards and literally being in the day-to-day, -day, looking after numbers and fighting all day, every day, I just felt completely out of my depth and I thought, well, I'm a failure because I wasn't in my genius zone anymore. And this is big thinking, questioning. Now I'm getting paid to question others. <laughs> and if that's all, and developing something that's not there yet. So this comes back to self-awareness because then you can run the day and can create a career and a life that you actually want. Nobody else knows best what's best for you. So that starts there. And in terms of a perfect day, it's definitely one of those areas um creating something either a conversation that's happening now content that will be benefiting my current clients or future clients and then working on the next big thing in terms of a program a service offer a better customer experience in terms of marketing for the business yeah wonderful so what tools then um do you use to be productive in your business because everyone has a different tech stack yes and i uh, cleaned up <laughs> quite a bit over the Christmas and New Year's period because I questioned myself what can I take away from the admin task because I'm dreading them I don't like to do that I usually drop the ball very quickly so what can I automate so we did a lot of automation over the last uh, months or so and um, there are three big tools that I'm using so I've got Kartra which is my C um, MS, so my customer relationship management system, where I also host my online courses, where I send emails and newsletters. And I just signed up to Dopsado, which yep. is more for contracts, uh, individual con um, communication, tracking invoices and so forth. Uh, and then with my team, I've got Trello uh, Asana boards. I've got a Trello inspiration board for myself, but I'm not sharing that with the team. So we communicate through Asana and um, Slack for quick instant messages. Yeah, so pretty. I like, I love um, how <laughs> we do, we love, I love shiny objects, especially with tech. Yes. And then I get in there yes. and then I go, this is actually making my life more complicated. <laughs> so when you're taking on a tech tool, just assess whether or not it's actually going to simplify your life because that is the goal. So true. So <laughs> true. And, you know, I use quite a bit of Sapient IFTT um, tools that connects tools with each other. So when yeah. somebody enrolls, they get an automated email, then they get the contract sent, then I get a notification that we don't have to do the manual handling. Mm. And honestly, a game changer that I only found out literally over Christmas, that's why I implemented it, is that you can sync your Google Drive with your desktop and I always had two different setups and I couldn't share things with my team and just make things so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> it's just technology. It's and Zapier, I love, I'm like, oh, it's like magic. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to each other, people. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's amazing. Um, 
one of the things that affects every single entrepreneur, except a couple now, I've got <laughs> two I've spoken to that is um, imposter syndrome at some mm-hmm. stage of their, their career or their um, business. So what are your methods to overcome this and how do you respond to the bad days of being in business? <laughs> well, I literally live and breathe that because this is what most of my clients also face. And I thought, you know, when I got clear with my value proposition and why I'm responding to certain people and tasks and got this self-awareness, I got a lot more confident. But I think confidence is a bit of a myth <laughs> because we're only confident when we know what's coming up. But if we want to grow, we always have a new challenge that we don't know exactly if we're good at it, um, if it's safe, if it's, you know, if it's rewarding, we'd never know. So it is a pattern and pattern can be disrupted. So what we always look for, for myself, for my clients, what was a similar experience in the past? What story can back you up that you can rely on the strength, on the skill set and can bring that into another situation? So it's basically reading between the lines and say, well, have you, had you, have, have you ever run a marathon before you ran the first one? No. Did you do it? Yes. So what does it show us? You've got the resilience. You can push yourself also when things get hard. So how can you apply that in a marathon meeting that goes mm-hmm. on for three hours and everyone is fighting? Well, you show the resilience for it. So it's finding out those, oh yeah, and I also can live without cheese for six months. So I've done it before. And so, if, you know, it's small things like that that gives us a little bit of the confidence to back us up and say, you know what? I go for it anyway. And I haven't had imposter syndrome for quite a while now. Having said that, I always say new levels, new devils. Yeah. <laughs> so I published the book in December, my first book, and I was Yay. so excited about it. Yay. <laughs> and then I, I dreaded promoting it. I was like, I'm not putting it out there. I know it's good, but what if it's not good? <laughs> what if I think it's good and everyone thinks it's rubbish? I was like, oh no. So I didn't even talk about it for a long time. It's like, hmm, okay, what's happening here? <laughs> I'm, you know, putting my own barriers on myself. Yes. But it also, I think, humbles us that we say, okay, we've reached a certain level. We're quite confident with that now, but we're not quite there yet. So push ourselves even further and sharing the journey along the way. Of course, I got already negative feedback. Some, a uh, couple of people said, oh, it's horrible. Um, I can't read it. And I was already literally, you know, my blood, uh, my hung, heart sank and my blood dropped. I was like, what's Never wrong? telling anyone about this book again. <laughs> exactly. And they said, oh, um, the font is too small. So I addressed it with Amazon because I thought I just made a mistake with the version. And they said, like a point, 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 one percent of all our readers have this Kindle version. And this is why it's happening. But because you've got so many images, you need the static version, not the dynamic version. So it's actually a formatting issue. They did never criticize the content. So I sent them the ebook and I said, it's amazing. But this is how quickly we generalize negative feedback and think, oh my God, we are really bad. Clearly, it has nothing to do with us and has to do with the format, not even yeah. with the content. <laughs> I remember every piece of negative format uh, feedback I've ever received. Yes. Yeah. 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 One of my colleagues uh, always says, generalize the positives, isolate the negatives. Mm. And that stuck with me because when I said, oh, you're always um, so on the ball, you have high attention detail, you're always funny, generalize that. And when I say, oh, that piece of paper was the worst ever. Okay. Maybe. (laughs) Doesn't mean I'm a bad writer. No, oh, that's <laughs> Maybe great. The, board, the topic was just too boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Um, I remember writing for boards. Anyway, um, so how do you maintain your sense of security, uh, sense of security, sense of community, my love? <laughs> um, in multiple ways. So I've built my own community, but a big part of what builds my business, what builds my profile and what gets me into the community is to a lot of speaking engagements. So I'm very selective where I'm pitching myself to because I want to be surrounded with a certain type of people. Um, and this is, I also ran my own meetup group for five years. So I built the community offline. <laughs> I've given it up actually at the beginning of the year because it doesn't quite fit with my future direction anymore. But it's also being mindful, where can you plug yourself in that... Um, with people that you want to be surrounded by. I'm a part of a couple of masterminds who've got a kind of a different impact on me. So it's being mindful. Who do you want to be surrounded by? What kind of input are you seeking? Is it guidance? Is it content? Is it just cheering up every now and then uh, and putting yourself into those situations? Yeah. And, and what's that saying? You, you are the product of the five people you spend the most time with. And I'm Absolutely. very, very mindful of where I invest my energy yes. because I'm in a lot of groups, but I don't involve myself in all of them because as introverts, we need to protect our energy. We do, exactly. And the good thing is nowadays with uh, so many different social media platforms, we can build communities also online where we can think about our response, where we can have one-on-one -on -one conversations. And I've got really good relationships with people I've never met. They are in Canada and the US, but we don't need to meet. <laughs> it's still our community. We back each other. We can give each other feedback and send each other voice note. Yeah. So that's also part of a community. It's not quantity, how many people are in your circle, but it's the quality of those people. Yeah, I love it. Um, and yeah, none of my, I, I mean, I have friends in my local area, but none of my business contacts are really around here because we just don't have the critical mass, which is, why my journey hasn't been it was only in the early days but with the advent of social media it's just got my my community's got more and more full and enriched and interesting as time's gone on so if even if you're regional um reach out online Absolutely. Um, what's your why what keeps you motivated uh, my story, <laughs> to be honest, I always say I've made my mess, my message, because I knew early on that I was driven, I had so much to give. But as I said, I'm an introvert. So and communication, especially when I came to Australia, um, wasn't my strength at all. English is my second language. So I struggled to fit in. And I thought, well, my work will just do the talking for me. And it wasn't the case. And it hit me so hard because all of a sudden I was put in a performance improvement plan. The same month I got divorced. So I also didn't have a safety network that I could fall back on. So I had a mortgage to cover for myself. And I thought, I never want to put myself into that vulnerable position ever again. That one person or a small group of people have so much impact and influence on my life and dictate how much I'm earning, how far I can go in my career, how successful I can be. I do not want that to let me happen to me ever again. And I, I, I see every single day how many driven professionals there are and they are struggling with exactly the same. And now with having even more competition than you know that I had eight years ago, it seems like a lifetime ago, but <laughs> isn't that long ago, but it increases even more so. You can do your best job, but if the company says, mm -mm, we don't have the money for it anymore, we've just been taken over, whatever it might be, we can't rely on that. So how can you build your foundation that you are not only 
secure yourself and future-proof yourself, but also direct and dictate your own level of success. Mm. I love I love your story. That's amazing. And and the fact that you have you you built this yourself with your own vision and just went, you know what, I'm gonna do it. And it's a woman with a plan is a woman unstoppable. Um I love, I love it. it. <laughs> so true. <laughs> it's it's you know, never mess with a woman with a plan. Um that's what I so keep true. My, my daughter, she's so like, I'm gonna do this, and I go, oh, and somehow we end got up a plan, doing it. Yeah, she's got a plan. <laughs> what are your top tips for all the smart women in business across the world? The tips would be to really, it sounds very larifari, but become self-aware to start with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it starts with reading between the lines. Like I'm a very data-driven person, very logical. I don't think I've got one caring bone in my <laughs> in my body. I'm not a naturally caring person as such, but I'm always, that's why I'm saying it's not a larifari answer, but it's about identifying patterns from my past. What mm. did I enjoy? Where did I excel? Um, what did I get praise for? Where did I work and time just flew by? Because when I can put those pieces together and analyze what does the market need now, how can I connect it? And this is the first point. If it's a corporate career, if it's your own business, it doesn't matter. There's always demand for something that we can bring to the table. And the clearer we are about it, the more confident we show up. And as much as people pay for your competence they buy into your confidence even more so mm. and this is probably the biggest tip that i would ever give anyone get clear on what you can bring to the table and why it matters and then learn how to communicate it and never uh, think of your work will do the heavy lifting because it doesn't unfortunately and we can't rely on somebody else picking up on how good we are because everyone is busy everyone is bothered and concerned with their own lives nobody looks out for us as much as we do for ourselves. Mm. That's amazing. Thank you, Petra. How can listeners and viewers find out more about you and your work? <laughs> and I'll link everything in the show notes if you don't get it. Well, there are a few points actually. So I've got a podcast too. This is how I came across your <laughs> podcast. It's called Your Brand, Your Future, because whatever you do today to build your brand impacts your future in a good and a bad way. So this is probably the first point of contact. Um, then I live on LinkedIn, this is yeah. my platform. <laughs> uh, but I'm also active on Instagram. And for any resources, there are a few guides um, that everyone can download. Impact with the triple C.com. And when you go into the freebie section, you've got guides to download. Um, there's a big blog post section. There's the podcast. There's everything to find. <laughs> and of course, people can buy your book. Yes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Congratulations. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Fabulous. What a journey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show today, Petra. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Shane. Love your questions and keep up the incredible work that you do. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Smart Women in Business podcast. If you'd like access to the show notes, please visit my website, jamekaycommunications.com.au forward slash blog. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, keep on being a smart woman in business.